myself again But it's the only way you're ever gonna learn You look back and it's all in the past I'm dwelling on the thoughts I cannot say to you If I don't say the words that maybe Hi, welcome along to NUFC Matters. This is a pre-recorded uh, programme for the Christmas period. And uh, it is uh, a, a show which I've been asking Malcolm and John to do uh, for the, the last few weeks. And looking forward to sitting back like you at home and listening to Malcolm's uh, career as an England player. So, John, I will go off camera and hand the reins over to you, sir. Cheers, my friend. Uh... Malcolm McDonald, 14 caps, 6 goals, which is a fair old average, 1972 to 75. We're very proud that they all uh, happened with Newcastle United, believe it or not. Uh, managers, Malcolm, with England. You started, I believe, with Alf Ramsey, the famous 1966 Alf Ramsey, had Joe Mercer fleetingly, and then the infamous Don Revy. That they were your th they were your three England managers, Malcolm, starting with um, Alf, who had picked you for the under twenty threes as it was then, wasn't it? That's right, John. Yeah, um, I, I, my first ever call up um, was it was <laughs> it was when I was at Luton before I joined Newcastle. Really. And, um, and I was, um, and I was, I was in a, in the shopping precinct in the centre of, of of Luton Town, and um, one afternoon, and all of a sudden, a great hand has clamped down on my shoulder, and I looked, and it was a policeman, and I thought, oh my word, oh, you be tucked up. I thought, have I have I walked out of a shop without? paying for something uh and uh, uh and I, I said uh, can i help you he said um he said you you need to report to the football club immediately he said uh, they they've got important news for you he said so get off there straight away well it wasn't that far from the football ground the shopping center so i i, I ran up there to create to um uh, up kenilworth road to the offices and in I went, and and they said um, you've you've had a call up for the under twenty threes. Um, somebody got injured, and so uh, off I went. I had to fly to Scotland, and uh, and the team were were staying out um, on the west coast, and uh, I, uh, I I I got booked into the hotel. It was a big golfing place, of course. I think everything is in Scotland. Uh, and, um, and, and, and it was my first ever opportunity to sort of sit amongst some, you know, all, all the top players. This was all the top young players. Um, and it, it was, uh, ah, what, what an experience. It was fabulous. I didn't get on. I, I, I was on the bench, um, but uh, but nevertheless, it was a great experience just to be a, a, a part of all these um, these terrific young players. Was and, that uh, was that an Alf Ramsey side, uh, yes. Malcolm? Yes, because he managed all the levels. Yes, 
Yes. Your debut for the full side, Mal, was Wales, wasn't it? Yes. The, the uh, um, it was at the end of uh, my um, my first season with Newcastle, and I and I got a call up, and uh, and it it sort of seemed that um, that that Mick Shannon and I were taking the same path with the same timing that we had played together in the under 23s and this was his first call up as well ah. for the full side and we both played uh, we were we were both selected and uh, and I I was playing up front with Rodney Marsh yeah. and uh, Mick and Mick Summerby who were both with Manchester City yes and uh, I, I, I didn't score that game, but we were very much on top throughout. But I did make a couple of goals, uh, one for Rodney. And, um, and so uh, we won 3-0. It, it, uh, uh, um, it was very one-way one traffic in the game. Uh, and I played against Mike England. Who was oh. the captain of Wales? Yeah, um, and uh, Spurs. Let, let's put it this way: that he he would kick centre forward, similarly to how a rugby player kicks the ball. He <laughs> <laughs> <It> goes up, <laughs> um, and uh, and so on the on the Wednesday night, because this was the home international championships. Yeah. Um, which was an annual competition. They don't do it now. I, it was a great competition at the end of the season. Um, and I wish they would bring it back. It was absolutely terrific. Um, where the uh, the three home, uh, four home nations are all involved. And we played Wales on the Saturday, on the Tuesday or Wednesday night. Um, at Wembley, we played uh, Northern Ireland. And I was in the side again and being marked by a guy who would later be my manager, Terry Neal. Good gracious. Your manager at Arsenal, he bought you from Newcastle, didn't he? That's right. Yes. yes. Um, and he was marking me that that evening. And, oh, dear me. Marking, you, phys marking you physically, Malcolm? <laughs> <laughs> well... Uh, yeah, we were well mocked, I must say, because uh, um, Northern Ireland scored, went into a 1-0 lead, and we blasted at their goal, and the keeper was saving it left, right, and centre, and we didn't score, and, and we finished up losing the game. And uh, Was that Pat Jennings in goal, probably, um uh, yes, it was. It wasn't Willie McFall, yeah. certainly. No. no, no, it was Pat Jennings, and he was making great save after great save. You know, he it was did. phenomenal. <laughs> he did, um, yes. Pat, and of course, I later played with Pat again at Arsenal. At Arsenal, uh, yes. Terry Neal brought brought him in from uh, Tottenham, uh, and fabulous, fabulous goalkeeper. You know, and yeah, and Willie McFall, uh, <laughs> bless him, he. he he got very few caps. Because, six uh, six yeah. is all he got, Malcolm. Yeah, six. yeah, but he but 
he must have gone to over a, a hundred games. Oh, yeah, he was on the bench every game, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Yeah, right. Right. yeah. Was that the was that the home internationals? The one that I remember that sticks out, Malcolm, was the one against Scotland up at Hamden when Aaron yeah. Ball scored and you went on as a sub. That's and, right. Um, that was the game on the Saturday. Yes, there was 138,000 or something in, in 128,000. 128,000, yes. Yeah. I was actually at the game, Malcolm. Yeah. It was the biggest crowd I ever played in front of. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And nine tenths of the supporters of Scotland were drunk out of their skulls. Um, and weren't and weren't they antagonised by Alan Ball when he scored? He, <laughs> oh, he, he gave them some so. dumpy. He? Yes, but it it it's the whole thing started as the uh, um, before the game even kicked off. The coach pulled off the main road and was going through um, a road that, that had all car parks going left and right off it. And we're heading up towards the stadium. And as we turned into this road, it was lined with Scottish supporters on every side, all with kilts on. And as the bus got in front of them, up went the kilt and they peed all over the bus, <laughs> which is what they thought of England. Welcome <laughs> to Hamden. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> That was just for starters, and um, well, oh, well, Alan Ball was outrageous. My word! Um, I'm, I'm, what happened? Um, he having scored, we were one 0 up. There was about twenty five minutes to go, and Rodney Marsh did one of his uh, fancy tricks on the ball, and Harold and. Uh, Alf Ramsey, his face just went black as thunder. And he and he turned to me and he said, get yourself ready. And then he turned the other way to Harold Shepherdson, his, his coach. And he said, get that clown off. Uh, and, and he so, didn't like uh, showboaters, Alf, did he? He didn't like showboaters. He didn't like showboaters at all. No. No, no. And, and and particularly in front of uh, one hundred and twenty-eight thousand Scots, um, because ironically, Malcolm, if I had it right, looking at it from the outside, but following England at the time, the, the jocks notoriously disliked the English when we were playing each other, but. There was only two of the English who really disliked the jocks, and one was. Um, Alan Ball and the other was Alf Ramsey. Yes, the two of them, they they really had something against the Scots. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I sort of felt at home with a name like Malcolm Ian McDonald. Well, I was going to say you should have been playing for them. Yeah. But yeah, how, how was... on earth does a bloke <laughs> called England play for Wales? I mean, what about yes. that? Against I know, you. I know. <laughs> um, but so when you, Malcolm, you know when you went on in that game, mate, when you went on up in yeah. Scotland, if I remember rightly, if you'd played orthodox centre forward and you really didn't, and I'll you'll explain that in a minute, you went out wide 
a lot. But if you played orthodox through the middle centre forward, you would have been up against Bob Monteur. I was, yeah. Yeah, and I had uh, a couple of runs against him. Yes. Um, and, uh, it, but at, once I was ready to go on and Rodney Marsh came off, Alf Ramsey, he came out the dugout, he put his arm around my shoulder and he said, he said, we're 1-0 up. He said, waste as much time as possible. He said, keep uh, making runs into the corners and hold it there for as long as you can. And so, okay, that's what I did. Um, we, were, we were leading at the time. And, um, and, and so I kept making runs, um, both to the left and the right um, corner flags. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> and <laughs> um, there was and there was one time where uh, there was uh, Scotland had a corner, and we were sort of um, getting fairly close to the last few minutes. Scotland had a corner, and it was swung in. Somebody's headed it down, and headed and and it went to the feet of Bobby Moore, and so he's imperiously just taken it out of the penalty area and and he's looking up the England right wing and so I'm making a run from the center um, and sort of looking to come towards him and then and then peel off inside the, the English half so I was on side so that he could just ping it right down the line and I would be away and I could run it into the corner and for all the world John, he looked as if that's exactly what he was going to do. And there was me, woof, I'm now starting to really accelerate. And all of a sudden, he's gone bang and hit it the other way. And there was Alan Ball, who had, who had gone from the penalty area, and he was sneaking up the left-hand side while all the attention was to me. Yeah. Um, and, and he's just in... Um, acres of space and he's and he's taken the ball all the way to the corner flag and of course um bob moncur and and his fellow defender they've sort of had to turn from from where i was and they're now heading all the way across the pitch 70 odd yards and Bawley has run it all the way into the corner and he is sat on the ball if you remember, yeah. Oh, you he, he was naughty in that day. Oh, yes. And he sat on the book and 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 there is a hundred and twenty-eight thousand drunk Scotsmen who now just want to kill us. Oh anybody absolutely. in an England shirt, you're dead and buried. And 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 I started running across like Paulie, get up on your feet for heaven's sake, get up. You know, I want to get out of this place alive. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and and so up he's gotten and, and and the Scots have got possession again and and they've got another corner. Well, pretty much the same happened, and and the, it, uh, I made the, a very similar run as Moro was coming out the penalty area with it once more, and I and and it was on for him just to knock it right down the line, and I'd take it all the way to the corner flag. Um, Bob Moncur's come right across with me. So have the uh, the five, and and Bob Morrow, he's done it again, and he's hit it. And there was Alan Ball, 
and he tore up the left wing, well, as quick as he could, Paulie, and, he, and he's got to the corner flag, and he's gone to sit down, stood up, gone to sit down, stood up, and he's winding everybody up, and this was, this was Bawley. Oh, he, he was such a winder-upper. And, 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 every, and, and the Scottish crowd, they are screaming at him. Uh, and, and, and so he's, having stood up, um, he turned to the saltire, the corner flag, um, uh, which was the, of course, the uh, the cross, and uh, and he just got hold of the flag on the corner flag, on the corner post, and he's wiped his nose. Oh, oh no! Uh, um, we, we and we've just all looked at each other, all the England players, and gone, "Oh, for heaven's sake, we are in trouble now." Oh, I mean. Um, and, and and a couple of minutes later, the full-time whistle went. We had won one nil, and Borley has absolutely insulted 128,000 Scotsmen who happened to be drunk at the same time. And, and, and we got into the dressing room. We, we, on the way there, we were being pelted with all sorts. Um, and we got into the dressing room, and they, they smashed all the glass... That was that was up the top, um, uh, 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 um, sort of putting light into the dressing room, and it was it was that um, strengthened glass with the wire in it and what have you. Yeah. But nevertheless, that all of it just came in, and we we just sat in the dressing room getting covered in this glass, um, and we didn't get out the ground until. Oh, it was about eight o'clock, nine o'clock that night. I mean, I, I, rem I remember it, it <coughs> game, Malcolm, it, it that game. I remember uh, I was up in the press box and we were doing it. There was a football pink in those days, as you were. Yeah. And I was doing it with that because yes. Kerr was playing on one side, Malcolm McDonald was with England on the other side, Manor for Heaven for the Chronicle. Yes. So I'm doing the game. And when Bestie scored... He ran round in celebration, if you remember, no, with a Winston Churchill two-fingered salute to all sides of the ground, and I'm going, oh, no. And you just said, whistle, you just said Bestley. Did you mean Bowley? Oh, yeah, I meant Bowley, yes, absolutely, yeah. Bowley. Yeah, two, two, oh. when he scored the goal, the yeah. ginger ran round the pitch, two-fingered uh, Winston Churchill salute to all the fans, the whole, the and on the final it. whistle... The same again. I mean, I had to dive out of the ground to get down to Glasgow to get yes. the train back to Newcastle. Train. Was like, and I got outside the ground, and you can imagine there's 128,000 people coming out. Yes. And they were fuming. They'd lost oh. to England and they'd been wound up by Bawley. And um, I just kept my mouth shut. I thought, there's oh, no way they're going to hear an English accent. Yeah, that's true, yeah, you, know, you, you you didn't dare let them know that oh, you were English. I just kept stung, mm. head down, and just kept walking, got out the station, got on the train, and only relaxed when the train pulled out of the uh, of the Glasgow and started heading south. But um, <laughs> Bawley was like that about it. And, and, oh, yes. And while, yeah, he really didn't give a, a, a damn at all. But Alf, Alf was quite... Um, confrontational with the, the Scots as well, wasn't yes, he? he was. Ramsey, you know, 
Yeah. It, it, it was it was something that went back. I never did find out just what it was, but there was something that had sparked all of this off with Alf and Borley and the Scots. Yes, yeah, yeah. Never, it was, never it, knew it what it was. Amazing. But, I mean, Alf, I know you rated Alf as a manager very, very highly. Oh, yes. I know he'd won 66, etc. but your personal dealings with him uh, and I want you to recall a story you, you have previously told me, Malcolm, about a team meeting when Moro um, got distracted and yeah. Alf, while Alf was talking. Can you recall well, that story for yeah, us? Yeah, I can indeed. Yes, it was. Um, we were playing Italy at Wembley uh, midweek, and uh, we used to stay in a in a hotel in um, Hertfordshire, the West Park Lodge. And um, and there uh, and there was a sort of um, a, a, a guest's room that uh, that it could hold a dance, it could it could hold a party, it could hold sort of a, um, a little you know a band or whatever. Um, it was it, without being overbeat, it it was still a sizable room, and but but there was a plinth against the wall on one side. And uh, and so Alf, there was a there was a, a, a table and chair there, and so he would he would sit there, and we, we would all sort of put the, um, our seats right in front of of this uh, table, and so we were all sort of sat in front of Alf, and 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 off to our left, at the end was a massive great window, but it but it was completely covered by curtains and the sun was shining very brightly and um and and where the curtains met right at the very top there was there was the curtains were, were just slightly parted and the sun was shining through and it it was like a um a, just a, a very thin shaft of light now with alf like a laser well, it was like, yes. Um, and his team talks took exactly two hours. Never 159, never 201, always spot on two hours. And he was so thorough, he would he, he would um, tell you who the goalkeeper was, tell you everything about his game, strengths, weaknesses, his, his physical attributes, everything. And and so you, it, without ever having seen him, you 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 felt almost like he was your brother. You knew him that well by Alf's uh, information. And then he would go right away across the back line, giving giving the team out, but exactly what these players could do. Then he would talk, and having gone through the whole side, then he would talk about about the back line. And how they played, and and really give you a lot of information. Um, very helpful, I have to say, um, and because he put it over so well. And then he would get onto the midfield before get going to the forward line. And it was while he was now giving us all this information about the midfield as a unit. Um, this shaft of sunlight had been coming through the crowd 
I'd be coming through the curtains and into the, and and right into um, um, into the crowd of players sat in front of Alf, <coughs> and this shaft of sunlight was on Bobby Moore's cheek, and he couldn't escape him. It, it, we were all sort of fairly tightly grouped, mm. and and so he, he he just put up with it, and Alf. He was in the middle of a sentence when all of a sudden from in the middle of the group, there was a and every everybody just stopped, stopped absolutely still, looked around. And there was Moro with this shaft of sunlight on his cheek, fallen asleep. <laughs> and Alf Ramsey has just absolutely stopped mid-sentence. And he's looked at exactly what the situation was. Um, and he said, uh, Emlyn, Emlyn, would you mind giving Robert a nudge, please? And it was Bobby Moore with a sun on his face, fallen asleep and started snoring as Alf was giving this team talk. Uh, and Moro, he's come to, and he's suddenly realised exactly what the situation is. And he's, oh, he said, Alf, I am so sorry. I really am so sorry. Uh, I do apologise. This shaft of sunlight coming in, he said, it was so warming on my face. And, um, well, he said, I must have just dropped off. With it, he said, and, and I couldn't escape it. He said, we're all sort of tightly sat here. Um, and and Alf, listen, listen to him fully. Let him finish. He said, Robert, I know you may have had to have listened to this 107 times before. But would you please, Robert, just listen this one more last time? And we were just left dumbstruck. One more last time. Is he not going to play again? He never played again, Mora. Never that played again. Was never in an England squad. That was that was it. That was his last game against Italy at Wembley. Oh dear me! <laughs> so, <laughs> no matter what, just make sure you in front of Alf. Stay awake, whatever you do, and concentrate. And oh, yeah, I mean, and there was, was Moore's last game. I, there was a famous story, Mal, before you got into the England squad back in '66 when um, they won, you know, they won the greatest mm -hmm. trophy, and we've never done it since, and all that. And Jeff Hurst, of course. Scott Hattrick, having not been in the side to start with, Jimmy Green yes, was. And then he come mm. and he gets Hattrick. In, in the morning when they're all leaving after the celebrations, at the, uh, having won the World Cup, he says, um, he's in the car park, getting in his car, Hursty, and he sees the gaffer come out and he shouts across, uh, goodbye, goodbye, gaffer, um, see you next November, whenever the next international was. And I'll just shout it back, if selected, <laughs> just got a hat win the World Cup. That was, that was Alf. If selected. Yes. See, see you in November. If selected. Yeah, John, 
Um, <laughs> we would we would return to Heathrow Airport from away trips, um, and you, and we always went away on a three game tour at the end of a season after the home internationals. And one time we'd come back from Eastern Europe, and uh, and I've I've come down the flight of steps from the plane. And uh, an Alf was stood at the bottom and he was shaking hands with each person as they came down. And I got down to the bottom and uh, and he shook me by the hand. He said, thank you for all you've done on this trip. He said, and I hope that maybe we might meet again. <laughs> he never gave you an indication no. as to as to what his plans were. You could never take it for granted. No, not ever. Um, and uh, Well, I mean, the king... He was, he was a great fellow, Ralph. Uh, really was. A great football knowledge. What a football brain he had. I mean, the, the huge thing that, that he had the guts to do was not bring Jimmy Greaves back during the World Cup. Yes, uh, yes. And, and going with Hurst who then justified everything with a hat-trick in the final, of course. Sure. But the easy thing would have been just to put, because Jimmy Greaves is still a legend when it comes to scoring goals, and the easy thing would have been to put him back in the England team. But he went yeah. with Hurst and, and he got a hat-trick. Um, when Alf went, and I, I know, I guess you must have been sad, Malcolm, because you rated him so highly as a, yeah. as a manager. Well, I, John, I was there for his last game. And it was, uh, we were away to Portugal over in Lisbon at the, um, at, at, at the proper Stadium of Light. Yes, yes, Stadium. indeed. The original Stadium of Light. Yes. Um, and, um, he, he, and he had left out of the squad a whole host of the older, more senior internationals, some who had been in the um, 66 squad who were still playing um, and, and others that had played in the, um, uh, in the 74 uh, Euros. And of the original 66 squad, the only two that remained were were who had been the real youngsters of the England side, and that was Alan Ball and Martin Peters. Yes, yes. And, um, and so uh, he had the two of them playing midfield, and he had a really young back four. It was like Colin Todd, um, Jeff Blockley from... Uh, oh, I remember him. Yeah, Jeff Was Blockley. he Coventry or somewhere? Coventry or somewhere, was he Blockley? Yes, yes, yes. He, yeah, that's right. Um, and and it was all youngsters in the back line. Peter Shilton was in goal, who I played <laughs> in the under-23s with. Yes. Um, and then in midfield, it was another couple of youngsters joining Martin Peters and Alan yes. Ball. And then up front was myself and Mick Shannon. And of and of of that whole side, believe it or not, John, I was the third most experienced player. Incredible, yeah, incredible, uh, isn't it? yeah. Yes, isn't, yeah, it yes. really was. Um, and and I had played very few games at that stage. Yes. And, uh, 
the anyway, so out we went. Um, and it was Trevor Brooking there, Kevin Keegan was in the side, and uh, the and the Portuguese they don't mess about, they're hard, they're, uh, they're rough, they're tough. Um, but by heavens, they can play as well, mm. and so it was, it was a right old game, and we but we we got on top, very much on top. Um, and the keeper was incredible that night, and he just seemed to be stopping absolutely everything. Um, I brought about three unbelievable saves out of him, you know, and he stopped me from getting a hat trick for heaven's sake with, with unbelievable saves. Uh, we could have won 10 without any. Uh, 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 exaggeration of any kind. Um, and Trevor Brooking could have had a couple. Mick Shannon could have had a couple. Kevin Keegan, a couple as well. And this keeper, way was just absolutely keeping everything out. And, um, and it finished nil-nil at the end. But the football we had played was fabulous. And we were all so confident that from that game of youngsters that we could really um, go on and, um, and make one hell of a side. And we got back to England and they sacked Alf. And here was, and, and he had sort of started off this new era. Um, and... Uh, uh, and you think, oh, come on, he's won the World Cup for heaven's sake. And now he's putting his next team together, um, full of youngsters, but oh, fabulously um, skilled. Alan, um, Alan Hudson was in there as well. And, uh, <coughs> uh, and you, temp you temporarily got Joe Mercer as caretaker for England. Yes. Yeah. He, he was at Man City, of course. Um, yes, he won the title up here with Man City at, at yes. Newcastle before your time, Malcolm. Yeah, um, that's right. With Summerby and Lee and um, yeah. all those that won 4-3 at Newcastle sure. and Mercer was manager. But he, he had a, a really bad back and he was quite crippled with it and he, he was in the most horrendous pain. So he was very limited as to what he could do. Um. And it was obvious that he, he was only going to be able to do it very short ter term. And um, and so he left and the, and the, Don Rebbe came in. Yeah, the famous thing I remember of Mercer's fleeting uh, term <laughs> as caretaker England manager, if you can recall this next band on it for me, is... When you went on tour, you went to Yugoslavia and yeah. Belgrade Airport. Kevin oh. Keegan was famously involved in a bit of a fracas, etc., etc. Can you yeah. fill us in on, on the background to that, Malcolm? Well, yeah, the um, that trip it it started off with us in Bulgaria, and we were and we were flying. It, you know, when you the the communist countries, they they made life so difficult for you, 
seriously difficult. You know, they they weren't wouldn't help in any way at all. They they just kept putting barriers always in the way, and one of those barriers was that um, the British Airways couldn't fly into Bulgaria nor Russia um, nor Yugoslavia. Russia wasn't allowing it, um, and so we were forced to go by Bulgarian airlines. And and they would fly us from London um, in, into uh, Sofia. And uh, and then from, from there, the plane would return and it would fly us from Sofia uh, to Moscow. And then four days later, we... Um, it would fly us then to Belgrade. And it, it, and it was it was very uncomfortable, not so much the seating that I'm talking about, but just the atmosphere. Um, it, it, it really was quite uncomfortable. Um, plus the, the way things were in the airports um, that uh, we, we, we arrived um, we arrived in Moscow. And we were just kept waiting for about eight hours, and, and 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 we could tell that they do it purposely. They knew exactly who we were, and they did it um, on purpose. Um, but um, it, it and it was it, it was from, we went from from Moscow then to uh, to Belgrade to Belgrade. Now that we were always stuck in our rooms. The only place that we went to was, was somewhere to train in the mornings and, uh, and then on to the, to the game on match day. And we just, we sort of went out um, in the mornings or, or rather in the afternoons um, after training and we would do a bit of sightseeing. I mean, you know, I remember going with some lads to, uh, to, to uh, Red Square, um, quite incredible. Um, saw the changing of the guards, um, and it was incredible to witness. But um, so, so we we played there and um, got a good result, and um, and then we flew the next morning, very early next morning. We flew uh, then to uh, Belgrade. <clears throat> on arrival in Belgrade, there was all a real hullabaloo going on, and we couldn't quite tell because it, it was sort of in in, in other languages. Um, and and we got to the the um, carousel for the luggage, um, which to was, pick up your luggage after the plane arrived. Yeah, yeah. and it and it was just motionless. And we were stood waiting and waiting and waiting, um, which, as I said, it was typical over there. And and Kevin Keegan, he had slept on the plane and then um, having been woken up so that we could get off the plane and uh, get into the airport. So he's just got on the carousel and gone to sleep. He's laid down and gone sat, to sleep. Sat on it or lay on it. Because it wasn't moving uh, and it didn't look as if it was going to move for a very long time. Um, and 
and and the, the the strange thing I had noticed was that that behind the carousel uh, um, and ba and all barriers, it was there was a wooden hut that you would see sort of out in the countryside, but it was inside this building, and it was the um, it, it it was the office of the of the airport police, <coughs> and um, and three of the, uh, the the guys came out fully armed and and two of them just grabbed hold of Kevin Keegan and the third just pointed a, a machine gun at all of us and we just sort of froze and they carted Kevin off to the uh, to that hut and in they went the door shut and we could hear punches being rained down on Kevin and he was um, screaming his head off and quite rightly so they were belted him that much and and we turned round to um, to the FA of, of officials that were traveling with us and they had all scarpered they got out the way and so we we said right what are we doing okay so over the carousels and, and, and let's get to the place and get Kevin out. So we stood up on the carousel to, to go over and, um, and out came a, a couple of policemen, machine guns again, pointing in our direction, which sort of stopped us immediately. Um, and, uh, and, and, and the beating of Kevin continued. And in the end, um, Kevin never came out of there whilst we were in the airport and we were persuaded to get on the bus and get to the hotel and make and, and contact would be made with the British Embassy so that, um, to, to uh, um, get this ridiculous situation put to an end. And so, uh, um, the, oh dear me, we had... In, uh, we got now to sort of um, early afternoon, and the and the, and the ambassador to Belgrade, he he came um, it, it, over to the hotel, and he spoke sort of in in, in very political and diplomatic terms, um, and said, you know, we we have to be very very careful how we how we treat this incident, and we're saying they are beating up one of our teammates. We're due to play the Yugoslavs in, in three days' time. And they are beating up. So how many of us are still going to be fit by the time the match comes around? Now, come on. We've got to get this um, over and done with. Um, yes, yes, but we've got to take it slowly, slowly. We are talking with the with the Yugoslavs and what the, their foreign office. And... And so it got to it got to about eight o'clock at night, and we're we're just wanting to get out, get to that airport, and get Kevin out. And uh, and so um, all of a sudden, um, in the evening, uh, the, the, the car arrived, and out got Kevin, and he was bruised and cut, and, and it was obvious that he'd been bleeding. Um, and uh, and he was in a, a right mess, and so um, 
we we got to the hotel and the ambassador was still there and uh, and we and we had said on the bus uh, um we'd said on the uh, earlier on that if if kevin has actually been hurt there is no way that we can play um a game uh, against yugoslavia that let's just get on a plane and and fly out of here you know it, it, it's been an, at, an attack on our player for heaven's sake so um the ambassador he he came and he persuaded us that what we had to do was play he, he said you uh, um, and he gave us all sorts of reason why um and and so in the end kevin he said, right, um, I want to play. And we said, you're not in a fit state to play. He said, I want to play. And and in all um, in all due fairness, uh, he did he played well that night. He really did play well. Um so well done to him on that. I think it was two two when he actually scored. Yes, he did. Yeah. yeah. Good for him, you know, that was sort of you know. A, a footballer's way of, of sticking two fingers up, sure. sticking all in the net, and uh, sure. uh, and and so uh, we we flew out the next day, um, but uh, uh, but this time British Airways came out and flew us back. There was none yeah. of this Bulgarian nonsense. If uh, we can fast forward to Revy, and we have talked about it on a previous podcast, obviously. Uh, Revy's attitude towards you and um, you know how you wouldn't be in the squad and you were picked by the media and the fans etc etc but we've got to revisit it because the big thing was that you scored your first England goal and against West Germany no less West Germany mm. as it was called then who were the world champions I think this was the first game after because yes, it was yeah and um, you scored 2-0, I think it was, and, and you got the second goal? I got the second goal, yeah. Was it a back post header, Malcolm? Yes, it was. Yeah. Uh, cross, it was a cross from Alan Ball. Right. Um, and, uh, but I, uh, I, I've been ignored by Revy um, for his first three games. Um, he... Um, he hadn't brought me into any of his squads, and um, and yet I was the clearly the the leading goal scorer in the country, and um, and so for this fourth game, he um, he did call me up, and and everybody used to um, to get uh, to the hotel for for sort of tea time on the Sunday afternoon, and uh, so in I went. Checked in at reception, and um, and I was told that Dom Revy was uh, through in the, in a lounge along a particular corridor. So I walked down to the end, and and I went into the lounge, and Dom Revy had this big entourage all around him, you know, um, and uh, and I said uh, Malcolm McDonald reporting. Um, I said no um, injuries from the game yesterday. Um, and uh, me having said that, he just looked up and he said, I don't want you here. 
as far as I'm concerned, he said, you've been foisted upon me by the press. He said, and you're not my choice. And so he said, if you don't score on Wednesday night, I'll never pick you again. And it so happened that we were playing the West Germans who were, um, it, this was their first game. As, first side in the world. Yeah, as defending world champions. Um, so I, I've, you've known me long enough, John. I, I, I think I'm a guy that always seeks to, to look on the positive side of life. And, uh, and I was rather shocked by this and he, and he never used my name. Not ever did he once call me by name. Um, I was sort of, oi, you. Uh, and and so I, I thought, well, at least, at least there's a positive side to this. And that, it, and, and that was that I knew I was playing, that everybody else was hanging on the team being announced. But he had actually just told me right from the word go, that I was start. in the team and that I was starting. <clears throat> and so I thought, right, well, I can get myself mentally um, prepared. I know what the job in hand is. Um, and uh, and I was able to sort of work on the finishing uh, um, in training and what have you. And, uh, and Peter Shilton was a great partner for me, great partner. We used to do two, three hours of, of of me finishing him goalkeeping um and uh, and he was the hardest working player i've ever met mm -hmm. uh, he really was and um and and so uh off we'd gone to um to wembley and uh and and don revy sort of went round wishing everybody good luck and just walked past me ignored me never said a word and out we went for the game and it, it was about midway through the first half and Colin Colin Bell um just got onto the ball about four, 14 15 yards out and and hit a low shot inside a post made it one nil and we've been playing really well up to then and uh <sighs> And we were stretching the Germans like mad. And we got better and better and better as that first half progressed to half time. And we came out in the second half and we were even better. And we were really dominating, controlling the game. Uh, and, uh, and it got to about 15 minutes from the end. Uh, and... Uh, and, and Mick Shannon was fouled on the inside right point of the penalty area, you know, just outside of that point. And so um, uh, he, he'd gone flat on the ground. And as he was sort of getting to his knees, Alan Ball made made an overlap round him wide. And Mick ju just nudged the ball with his knee into the path of Bawley, who who just hit it first time right the way across to um, to the far post. And it, it, it evaded um, Setmeyer, the goalkeeper. It, it came over Beckenbauer. 
um, Bertie, even over Bertie votes. And then I came at the far post. Thank you very much. Got my head to it um, and knocked it down into, into the net. And that made it 2-0. Um, that was the final score. Um, and we really had um, outplayed Germany. And it, it, was, it, it was a great performance to be a part of. It really was. And and so um, and so we were in the dressing room and um, and we're all getting our kit off and Don Revy walks in and he goes and he goes across to the far corner from me and he and he shakes hand with Peter Short well played Peter and then to Colin Todd well played Colin to David Nish well played David um, and then to the four the five the six the seven he got to Mick Shannon next to me. And he said, well played, Mick. And he's walked past me, shook hands with the 10, then the 11, and walked out the dressing room. And Alan Ball, he said, uh, yeah, I saw that. He said, no, he didn't. He said, I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> was, was, was Cyprus the next game, Malcolm? Yes. Yes. Albeit it was the, it was the following year. Yeah, there was a time gap. Yeah, the German game was in 74, um, and it was sort of October, late October, early November. And there wasn't a game then until the following, I think it was March or April, April maybe. It was a European qualifier, I think. It was. Yes, it was. It was a competitive game, a qualifier. And I, I believe... I believe the same happened again when you reported, of course, for Cyprus. You, did, you, yeah. had, to, you had to be picked because you scored. Yes, uh, yes, well, I'm, I really wasn't sure whether I would be picked, um, but there was no reason to drop me. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and, and so when I arrived um, and I said no injuries from the game yesterday, Revy said the same applies as last time. If you don't score, I'll never pick you again. And um, you must have took that to heart. <laughs> Well, yeah, and I, I told Bawley, and he said, that is absolutely out of order. How dare he? Um, and, uh, and and he sort of, he he told some of the lads, Alan Hudson, Mick Shannon, um, and, uh, and he said, right, come on, we've got to give this fella as much help as we can. You know, he's, he's been uh, well put upon by Revy. And so um, out we went. And Alan Hudson knocked a great free kick in from the left wing. And, and Dave Watson, he was on it all day long. And I actually pushed him out the way and headed it into the corner. <laughs> That's, uh, what That's what centre forward should do. That's what centre forward should do, Malcolm. Yeah, well, um, <laughs> oh, well I, I didn't want to see it go over the bar, typical centre-halves header. <laughs> so, um, and then um, uh, Kevin Key, uh, no, um, uh, Mick Shannon did a little bit of magic on the left, and, and got a and pulled a cross back, and I and I, I and I got my left foot to it, volleyed, volleyed it into the far corner, and and ball has come come running up, and he's gone right. That's your second goal. He said, "Come on, you you know, keep going," and um, and so. Uh, uh, that was that went to half time two nil we were winning and then we came out for the second half 
and he'd been cheating us up, um, uh, and me in particular, and, and others, others to make me goals. And, um, and so Kevin Keegan did a little bit of magic on, on the dead ball line and, and pulled it back and I volleyed it. Uh, um, no, sorry, I ducked and I headed it into the net. And, um, and Baldy's come running up. He said, that's your first hat-trick, he said. Now you go for your second. Um, because before the game, he had, he had said to the, other, to the other guys, he said, what is the goal-scoring record for England? And nobody knew. He said, Willie Hall in um, Northern Ireland back in 1938, he scored five at Windsor Park. He said, and this guy is going to beat that record tonight. He's going to, we're going to make him six, us. And they, oh, all right, okay, we're up for it. So, um, the, uh, there was a substitution made at us 3-0 up. And uh, Dave Thomas, County Durham lad, yeah. um, who was playing for QPR at the time, he, ca he came on, I forget now who it was that went off, but he came on, terrific crosser of the ball, and, and Alan Ball knew it. So he's positioned himself sort of inside um, so that he, he could just keep slotting the ball just mm -hmm. behind the fullback for Dave Thomas to run onto. And, uh, and Dave, oh, he smacked a, a great cross in and I got, got right up, out jumped the centre half and headed it into the far corner. And Baldy's come running up. He's gone, that's your fourth, he said. He said, you, you've just got two more to go to get the record. And, uh, and Dave Thomas knocked another cross in and I dived onto that one, headed it in. And Baldy's gone up. He said, right, you've equaled the record. You've equaled it. He said, you've created a record at Wembley. He said, now you go for the outs, um, for the, the full, uh, yeah, full record. And so, um, uh, uh, as it so happens, I did score again, but it was disallowed. Somebody else was offside. Um, uh, and, uh, 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 and, and then the final whistle went. And... And we're 1-5-0. Nobody else had scored that night. Nobody at all. And so it's just me. I've scored five goals. <clears throat> and I'm shaking hands with the Cypriots. We in the in the area that they have been defending in the second half, which was at the opposite end of the ground to the tunnel. Well, up above the tunnel was, was um, it, it was only fairly small by comparison to what they do now. But there was an electronic scoreboard that had just kept the um, the, the, the order of goals um, going in, and uh, and so uh, I, I noticed between handshakes that it went blank, <coughs> and uh, excuse me, and um, and I continued shaking hands, um, and then all of a sudden. The board relit, but this time the wording had been changed, and this time it said, "It said congratulations, Super Mac, five England nil. Oh, sorry, Cyprus, Cyprus nil. nil. Yeah, Cyprus nil." And I looked at it and I thought, "Oh wow, oh wow, there it is in writing." And I thought, 
that that's my boyhood dream come true and how many of us have had that boyhood dream of being at Wembley scoring for England and there it was that was confirming it it all come true for me on that one night then reality struck and I looked across and I thought where are you you bastard where are you and there he was in his trench coat going round the far corner flag on his way to the tunnel at the other end of the ground. And I'm screaming down the, the empty pitch, pointing at this, at the scoreboard. I'm saying, read that and weep, you bastard, read that and weep. And uh, we got into the dressing room some while later. Revy came in, well played, Peter. Well played, Colin. Well, And he was shaking hands. Saying, well played to everybody. Got to Mick Shannon, shook his hand. Well done. Well played, Mick. Walked past me. Never said a word. Shook hands with a 10 and the 11. Disappeared out the dressing room. And that was my last game for England at Wembley. Never I was going to say, you didn't play again, Malcolm, did you? No. I, I, I tell I you what. Six I'm... goals in two games at Wembley. And I never played at Wembley again for England. There's two ways of looking at that. One is it's an absolute disgrace and the other way is pal, you couldn't have topped that. So go out, go out on a on an encore of beating the world yeah. champions and then setting the record for Wembley, which is sure. and I was at that game as I was at the Bob Moncur game in Scotland yeah. and uh, but it, I think I, I think, enjoyed it almost as much as you. Not quite, but almost as much yeah, as you. Yes, but it, happy, it, happy days, happy memories. It certainly, yeah, they were happy days, um, except when I was in the company of Revy. Yeah, well, <laughs> yes, but uh, if you had to be to score against the world champions and five in a single match, wasn't a bad consolation, mate. And then, and and it it it, it it's still a record now to this day. Correct. Correct. But, but when I was managing Fulham back in the um, 80s, England were playing over in Spain. And um, Gary Lineker was the centre forward. And I had got home after a day's work at Fulham Football Club. And my intention was to wallpaper the dining room. And we've got this lovely striped paper, perfect for a dining room. And um, and and I and of course the game wasn't shown live on television back then. In those days, right. it was highlights later in, in in the evening, and so I took the radio in, into the dining room with me and um, uh, and and my bucket of paste uh, and, uh, and I started preparing the wallpaper and I'm listening to England playing over in Spain and. Uh, and I started to hang the wallpaper and, um, and, and so Gary Lineker scored one and I continued wallpapering. He scored two and I continued wallpapering and then he scored a third, got his hat trick. Uh, I thought, oh dear me. Um, and this was all, in the first half, I think half time came, and out they came for the second half. And uh, oh dear, I was starting to feel a little bit uncomfortable at this stage. And so, um, 
he scored a fourth. And now I am really nervous, really, really nervous. And I'm still hanging the wallpaper, but I'm listening so intently to how this game is going and and hoping that England don't get into the Spanish penalty area. And, uh, and finally, the game ended. Gary Lineker scored four in a 4 0 victory um, over Spain. And oh, my record was still intact. And I finished my wallpapering and off I went to, um, uh, to another room. And I thought the next morning, I thought, ah, I'll go in and just see how many wallpapering is. And I've gone in and all the stripes are like that. Because <laughs> you weren't concentrating. It, yeah, it got progressively worse as you went around the dining room. I remember, I remember not so long ago, the same sort of thing. It wasn't so personalised with me, but because of our friendship, it was the same sort of thing. Steve will probably remember. Forget the game; it doesn't matter. But Harry Kane scored four for England. I think yes. they were playing one the minnows, and he scored four for England. And I'm thinking, Supermax record's not going to go. Ahead. We're <laughs> going. We're going to have somebody out of London, and you're out of London. Can't have somebody out of London taking the Newcastle United record, and it didn't. But happy days, and thanks for sharing them again, Malcolm. I enjoyed them then. And I enjoy them now. Thanks very much indeed. All right. Well, my pleasure indeed, John. And certainly it was a pleasure to me back then. But they 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 still continue to give me pleasure. They really do all those goals. Great stuff, great memories. Thanks, John. Thanks, Malcolm, and thanks everybody in the chat. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Take care now. Bye. Bye, everyone. A big thanks to all our sponsors. First off, Skips and Bins, telephone 0800 254523. Email inquiries at skipsandbins.com. Website skipsandbins.com. Easy contract free and pay as you go waste collection. Thanks to Garden of Healing Dispensary, CBD hemp and cannabinoid specialists. You can find them at thegohd.com. And thanks to Mr. Vicky's Sources. They are handmade in Cumbria. And you can find more information out on their website, mrvickys.co.uk. And if you want to order any, email info at mrvickies.co.uk or telephone 01768 210102. Big thanks to Blowhole Brewery, a new beer uh, made on Tyneside. The cans are all designed in the colours of Newcastle United strips from days gone by. Black and white there, the purple and blue and the good old-fashioned blue from the entertainers days. Have a get. More information on the Blowhole Brewery range, such as Geordie Juice from blowholebrewery.co.uk. Thanks to Media Arts for all the help with the technical side of things and video side of things. And thanks to qtechshop.co.uk, the makers of pool tables and snooker tables in Walls and Newcastle, and the guys who do our website, nufcmatters.com. If you want to subscribe to the show, then all you need to do is click the subscribe button below. You can also hit the thumb up, which does us a favour, by liking the video and click share to share to your social media such as Twitter and Facebook. We're also available as a podcast on iTunes and Spotify and the rest. And if you want to contribute to the show, use the QR code. It takes you straight to the membership pack and you can join the channel. What do you get for your membership pack? You get a scarf, a cup, a pen and a membership card and entry into the monthly draw. You can also make a donation by hitting the dollar sign in the chat tonight. We also give you something for free if you subscribe to the show. To get your car sticker, email john at nufcmatters.com and he will post you one out. 
We also support the Food Bank on this show. And if you want to make a virtual donation to the Food Bank, then go to nufcfansfoodbank.co.uk and make a donation today. On our website, we've got lots of T-shirts, cups, pens, you name it, memorabilia, if you want to buy it and support the show. For Christmas, we have the Bruno Christmas Jumper, which is selling rather well. And we'll have the Bobble Hats, play like Almiron, Bruno's Magic, and Bruno's 39 and Joe Linton's J7. Get yourself to nufcmatters.com to buy them today. If you want to buy people a ticket for one of our events next year, We've got an evening with Steve Howie, which is Friday the 24th of February at the Tyneside Irish Centre. Tickets are £50 from nufcmatters.com or newcastlelegends.com. And you can also buy them on Woucher before Christmas. Get somebody a bargain and a nice Christmas present. Peter Beardsley is on on the 10th of February at St Dom's Catholic Club in Newcastle. Tickets available direct from the venue. And for this one, Friday the 2nd of June... Next year at the Grand Hotel in Gosforth, 6.30 start. An evening with Rob Lee, Lee Clark and John Beresford. To book tickets, contact Natalie at healandtour.org.uk or visit their website, healandtour.org.uk forward slash events. If you're looking for a Christmas present and people like a book, then get yourself NME from the Bender Squad to the Gremlins or... The last remaining copies of Black or White, No Grey Areas, Lee Clark's autobiography. And you can get them from www.badboysbooks.net.